week, as we uh, continued in our series called When Life Gets Hard, we gave you an opportunity just to acknowledge if you're going through hardship. One of the things I love about our church is just how real we can be. And many of you acknowledged that last week, and we just want to continue to pray with you. We prayed for you. We prayed over you last week. So I just want to continue to pray with you as we are continuing in worship. Can we just bow our heads in prayer now? I don't know if you're going through a hard time right now. If you're not, you will be at some point in your life. Some of you have just come out of something. You know, part of our worship is is singing. Part of our worship is reading and the teaching of God's Word. But also part of our worship is to be a time of prayer connect with your Holy Father. So right now, I just encourage you, if you're going through something tough right now, I encourage you just to begin to bring that to God. What we've been doing is we've been making declarations of praise of God's sovereignty over areas of our life. Some of you, maybe you're not struggling right now. You, you know someone maybe that's sitting next to you or maybe that's on your row or close to you. You know that they're going through something. Maybe they're not even here today, but God's putting them on your heart. Would you just pray for them right now? Pray that the God of peace and all comfort would come alongside them, that they would see how close he is to the brokenhearted. It is good to just be still before you. It is good to be quiet in your presence. Lord, to acknowledge your power in our lives, Lord. We just continue in declaring your sovereignty, Lord. You are sovereign over the good times. Lord, you are sovereign over the bad times as well. I thank you, God, that we, as we go through our hardships in life, can know that we are not alone. And I thank you that we can grieve, Lord, as your word tells us, is that we don't have to grieve as the rest of men who have no hope. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he's changed everything. We thank you, Lord, that even in this world, as we have trouble, that you can give us your peace. And so, Father, I pray your peace be upon those this morning who are struggling, those who are hurting. Lord, may they know how close you are to them today and that you love them and that, Lord, you have a plan in their life. Father, teach us from your word today. We welcome your presence. It's in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. God's people prayed along with me. All God's people said, amen. I want to ask you to remain standing. You're trained to sit, right? As soon as we pray, we sit. But I want to encourage you just to stand with me. We've been doing a memory verse each week. The Bible memory verse that we've been doing as we've been in our When Life Gets Hard series is John 16, And so while you're already standing, I thought we would just go ahead and do that and be reminded of what Jesus himself told us. 
The way we do it, if you're new here, is we say the address of the verse first, and then we say the verse all out loud together, and then we say the address of the verse at the end when we're done. Now, last service, I completely blew it, and I left the, after I told everybody to do the address at the end, I left it off, and they, they hissed and booed and everything, okay, at the end of that, and, and I deserved it, okay? So here we are with John 16.33. Are we ready? Let's say it together. John 16.33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 16.33, I got it, all right. You guys have a seat. I'm so glad that you are here. We are continuing our series called When Life Gets Hard, and really, maybe even better said, life's just hard right? It's hard. A lot of the times, some of you that I've talked to, you've said, it seems like I have more hard days than I do good days, (laughs) that you relate to that. And so I'm so thankful that we're in a church that, uh, that we are able to express whenever we're going through difficulty, that we have that core value here at EBC. I, I've been planning on doing this series and I've been feeling like God was leading me to do this series for probably over the last couple of years as our family went through some loss. And we are grieving, and we still grieve, and we still mourn the loss of, of a loved one that we have, uh, that we had in our life, and, and all that comes along with that, and how everything changes because of that. All kinds of new things that emerge will begin to bring that grief up again. And so we began to deal with that. And so I really felt like God was leading me to do a series like this because I know this, that our family goes through grief. You're also going to go through grief. You are going to go through loss in your life. Some of you are going through that right now, whether it's the loss of a loved one or some other kind of loss in your life. And I struggled with when to do this, to talk about loss and pain and and hurts. And i got to say that I've been so incredibly blessed over the last couple of weeks by just many of you who've communicated back with me and have said, either through text or maybe you've called me or you caught me after a service in the hallway or whatever, and just said that you're so thankful to be in a church where you can just be real, right? Where you can be in a place where you can be honest about the way that you're feeling. And I got to say that I'm thankful to be a pastor of a church where that's a core value, where we want you to not have to pretend when you're going through something difficult. And, and we want you to feel like you can be honest about the way that you're dealing with something in your life. And when we started our church 14 years ago, That's why we started EBC, and one of the values that we started with was this transparency. Transparency that's in your leadership as we want to be honest about the way that we're feeling and the way that we're dealing with things and struggling with things just like you are, and that we're not at some other level or some other plane where we don't struggle or we don't have hardship. We're struggling with you. We deal with struggles along with you, and I'm so thankful to be a part of a church where that's the norm where it's the norm to be real, right? Instead of the norm is to come in and to pretend that everything's okay, and then you walk out and you've not really done anything any different in your life because you've not really dealt with what you're struggling with. The norm here, if you're looking for a church, is to actually be real. The norm is to be authentic and to be able to express that in in healthful and healthy kind of ways back to God. We started EBC 14 years ago because we knew that there was a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness all around us. What I want to tell you this morning is that if you're struggling, if you are hurting, 
if you've experienced some kind of loss, maybe you're just stressed out and maybe it's job related. Maybe it's a hurt in your life because of finances or a lack of finances. Maybe there's been some kind of brokenness in your life that you're dealing with, uh, whether it's a family member that you're watching them go through something and you hurt as they go through that. For some of you, maybe it's been a loss of a relationship. Or some of you are struggling with divorce or you've gone through that or you're going through that or you know someone who has and you've seen the pain that goes along with that. You've been wrestling with that. I want you to know if you're the one that's feeling broken or if you're sick or if you're discouraged or if you're downcast or if you're even depressed, I want to tell you this right now from the bottom of my heart, you are in the right place. And we love you very much. And we are with you, and you are the reason that we started EVC about 14 years ago. The reason that that we love, as we acknowledge our brokenness here, the reason that we love you so much, more importantly, is because Jesus loves you and is crazy about you. He loves you even in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your sorrow. He loves you even in the midst of sin that might be in your life. And the reason that we love you so much is because He does, and He is our hope, and He is the one that can redeem not only our sins and give us eternal life, but the kind of God, as we've been singing about Him, that He is, is even when the enemy means something for evil in our lives, and He means to harm us, and He means to bring destruction in our life, our God is the sovereign kind of God that can even redeem what's going on in our life right now and use it for something good that we may not even ever be able to understand. And that's something that we want to learn about. When Jesus came into the world, I want you to see this. When he started his ministry years, he was beginning his ministry years at the age of 30. And when he began his ministry years, he started off by saying this to a group of people that were in the temple there. As he opened up the book of Isaiah and he made this declaration that had been prophesied about himself. This was his proclamation that he made to his hometown in Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, this is what Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to preach good news to what? To what, church? The, the poor. To those that are poor. Those that are poor in spirit. And those that are also impoverished in a number of ways. He has sent me, what does it say? To heal the, what does it say, church? The brokenhearted. Okay? And to announce that captives, whatever it is that you may feel like you are trapped in or you feel held captive to, to announce that the captives shall be released and that the blind shall see, that the downtrodden shall be freed from their oppressors and that God is ready to give blessings to all who will do what? What does it say? To all who will come to him. And so that's why we started EVC. That's the same thing. Jesus says our model is he said, we're here to give the brokenhearted, the gospel message of Jesus, that our hope in Christ is really our only hope. That it's the only thing that is sure. It's the only thing that is steady. That's why we started our church, and that's what this series has all been about, has been to point you back to Jesus Christ, even in the midst of your hardship, even as you're going through something that's brought sorrow in your life. The point of this series on when life gets hard is not just to point out that it's hard. You know that it's hard. I don't have to tell you that. You experience that on a daily basis. The point of the series is not to depress you. And that's really something that I really prayed about this morning as it is dark and dreary outside today. I was like, God, 
hope this not be depressing, but encouraging today as people are confronting some things in their life. But as we work through this series together, what we're going to discover is that this is a series. Now, this is the real hard part that we're in. The beginning point is identifying our loss and beginning to work through it and beginning to confront it. You're doing the hard work right now. But what we're going to discover is it is a series about hope in Christ alone. So if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe you're new here, we've been talking about how hard life really can be. And some of you, again, said that life for you, most of the time, you feel like it's hard more times than not. That you have more struggle days than you do days where you feel like it's going well. We don't want to pretend that it's not there, okay? We don't want you to feel like you have to come into church and pretend that it's not there. We don't want you to feel like you have to try to find a way to go around it or go under it or whatever, or just find a way to bypass it. Because what we're going to see today is that's not the healthy way to deal with what's going on in your life. In fact, what you're going to discover is that you are going to have to go through it. For you to be healthy, you're going to have to move through whatever the loss, whatever the hardship is in your life, and that it's possible for that to happen in a healthy kind of way. Our mission as your pastors and as your church family is to help you grow deeper in your faith in Christ because you're going to go through hard times. Just like we read in Jeremiah last week, and I wanted to bring it back up again today for those of you that weren't with us last week, to see this is what we're about. This is what we want to see happen in believers' lives as you go through hardship. Look at what Jeremiah writes. He says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and have made the Lord their confidence. They are like this. And he's going to use this, this metaphor here of trees. And he's going to show us that they are like trees that are planted along a riverbank. They have roots that reach deep into the water. They go down deep. We want your roots in Christ to be deep. And look at what it says about them. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. The problem's still there, but you know how to weather the storm. The problems are still going to happen. The, the tsunamis of life that can sweep you off your feet and destroy everything and dev devastate everything around you are still there, but you're going to know how to work through these things in a healthy kind of way. We started looking at the, the losses of the phases of loss uh, this past week, we started looking at this phases of loss for a believer. And, and we shared last week that Pastor Rick Warren was taking his church through these uh, really in the latter parts of the summer months. They just went through this. And, and the reason this came about, as you know, as I shared last week, is that he and his wife had the most devastating loss that they have faced in their lifetime with the loss of their 27-year-old son, Matthew, who had taken his life and had battled with mental illness all of his life, and they were devastated by this. And this was just something that he felt very strongly about, and using what God was doing in their life, even in the midst of their grief, to bring others hope and to point others back to Jesus Christ. And so Pastor Rick started taking his church through these, these phases of loss, and that's what we're going through now as a church right now. We talked about these phases of loss uh, and we began last week by talking about shock. And whenever you're actually just absolutely shocked by something that happens where life just sneaks up on you, and oftentimes it will sucker punch you. 
and you never saw something coming and it leaves you in a state of shock where you don't even really know what to do. You don't know how to respond. We all will experience times of shock in our life. Some of you are in the state of shock right now because of a loss that you have experienced in your life. What we want to talk about next is sorrow, where then the sorrow begins to settle in. And and what does that mean? And what does that look like? And is it okay for you to feel sad? Is it okay for you to grieve? That's what we'll talk about today. But then next, what we often move to, and by the way, these are not in any order necessarily that you have to follow this certain formula for some of you it may you may flip some of these around and some of them they will reemerge at different points even as you've moved through some of these different phases but what happens next often is what is called struggle and when struggle happens whenever you've gone through something devastating or you're going through something hard when struggle happens that's when the the question why begins to emerge and you want to know the answers And you're looking for answers. And you might even get a little frustrated with people around you. You might even get a little frustrated and angry with God or maybe really angry with God. And you're you're trying to work through this. Now, now what we often will do is we'll often kind of stop there. But what Pastor Rick has done that I want to do with you as well that I think is so powerful is that he begins as a believer to show what God wants to begin to do in the midst of our shock and our sorrow and our struggle and what will happen with us as believers when we acknowledge the sovereignty of God, we come next to a place that is called surrender. And when we are at surrender, this is when we begin to, to begin to give these things to God. We begin to dialogue with God in such ways that facilitates healing in our lives and it begins to bring healing. And as we go through surrender, what, what begins to happen is this next process that is called sanctification. And it's a big theological word, but what it basically means is God is making you more in the image of his son every day, even through the hardships that you face. God can use what the enemy means for evil. God can use this and the suffering that's in your life to begin to make you more like Christ. By the way, that is his ultimate goal is to sanctify you to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And then what he will do is you are being sanctified and continually being sanctified. You'll come to a place of service. And what this means is that God doesn't want you to waste the pain that's in your life. That God can actually begin to use some of the loss that's in your life to minister to people around you who you actually understand the kind of pain that they're going through. Why? Because you've been through it. Because you get it. You know what that's like. So we're moving through these phases and we're in sorrow this morning and the question begins to come, Uh, to us, how do you get through the hard times when they happen? How do you begin to get through the losses in life and the pain that we may experience? And right here in our church last week, we saw that there's a lot of that here at EBC. There's a lot of it not only now, but there's been a lot of it, and there will always be a lot of it because we're in a very broken world. And the world around us is a hard place, and it's tough, and there's loss that people are experiencing, and there were a lot of tears that were shed in this place together in the community of faith last Sunday. When some of you really maybe for the first time began to actually confront some of the losses that you've had in your life that you've not wanted to deal with, but you started dealing with. Or some of you, you're a little more open in your expression. You began to pour some of that out. And we prayed over a number of you last week. And and how do you begin to get through this? 
How do you get through it? Some of you would say that you feel like you've got a doctorate in hard times, right? How many of you say, man, I feel like I got a PhD in tribulation? You feel that, all right? I feel like I've got that. Man, I, I've got that education is what you feel like in that particular area. Well, what I want to share with you in these next few moments are some things from God's word that I'm personally learning from the Lord, learning from observing others, learning from what God is doing in others' lives, just some things that I'm observing in the scriptures about loss and grief. And I hate to say this, but unfortunately, at some point in your life, you are going to need this message. You're going to need it, and you're going to need to know it. And so I encourage you to take some notes today. I encourage you to listen and let, allow the Lord to speak to you through his word. And so if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that I'm learning is this, is that loss is unavoidable. But grief, that is a choice. Our losses in life are unavoidable. Whether you are going to have loss or life is not something that you have control over. It's going to happen in one way or another within your life, and you're going to have it. But you can choose whether or not you're actually going to grieve, or more importantly, whether you will grieve in a healthy kind of manner. You have to actually choose to grieve. Do you know that? You have to actually choose and allow yourself to grieve certain things. And a lot of times we don't want to do that, especially in the West here. We equate grief and we equate sorrow oftentimes with weakness. And so we think that if I show grief or if, it, if, if I process grief, then that means that I'm maybe a weaker person or maybe sometimes even as Christians, we think that might mean that I'm weaker as a Christian or I'm not as strong in my faith as a believer. Those are some false things that we have believed and some false things that have been taught. But we actually need to choose to grieve. And a lot of people will choose not to, and instead, what they will do is they will stuff whatever it is that's bothering them. They will stuff it down, and whenever it begins to emerge, they just they won't allow it to process, and so they stuff it back down. They keep pressing it back down because they don't want to do this, and they ignore it, and they'll try to deny it, but it will manifest itself in one way or another. We'll talk about that in a moment, how it can come out in different kinds of ways, and and what we know is that there are things that are certain, and the things that are certain is that because we are living, things are always changing. And when things are always changing, what that means is there's going to be loss in the midst of that change. And because there's loss in the midst of that change, that means there's going to be pain with the change as you go through different changes in your life. That's one of the things that we're really experiencing, again, as, as, as a family who has gone re very recently through loss, is, is just the changes that you weren't prepared for and how that happens and new things will come up and, and where you would behave in a certain way or you would do things a certain way, you don't do them that way anymore and that will just kind of bring that grief all up again. Pastor Randy and I were talking about that at one point as we were talking about different kinds of grief and different kinds of loss in our own lives, especially loss of loved ones. Whereas you, you may feel like it's a certain moment in your life where it's time for you to pick up the phone and maybe call that person, but they're not there. You know what I'm saying? That's a change. That brings about that stressor. That brings about that loss. And, and so you, you can't avoid that, but you must choose to grieve. You have to choose to let grief in. You have to allow it to actually be felt in your life. Now, the, the natural question that, that some of us may ask is, why in the world would I ever want to feel grief? I mean, that just doesn't sound pleasant. 
Why would I ever want to confront that? Why would you want to actually choose grief, Bart? Why shouldn't I just stuff it? Why shouldn't I just pretend that it's, it's, I'm okay and that, you know, everything's all right right now? Why wouldn't I just ignore that? It seems like that may be the better way to do it. And, and here's where I want to go with this today. And this may be really difficult for those of you who have embraced maybe a theology or you've been exposed to a theology that teaches this, that, that when you come to Jesus, you're always going to be healthy and you're always going to be wealthy. This is going to be hard for you. This series is going to be hard for you. And that's a, that's a theology that is propagated quite often today, that when you come to Christ, that you're always going to prosper in the here and now in this world. It's not that God can't, and it's not that God doesn't do that at certain times. It's not that God doesn't still heal today because we believe that he does. It's not that God doesn't still bless his people financially because we believe that he still does. But we also know this, life also is hard sometimes. Sometimes the healing doesn't come in the way that we think it should. Sometimes the breakthrough in a certain area doesn't happen in our timing. And so there's loss and there's grief that comes along with this. In fact, I would just say this, that it seems incredibly self-serving to me to think that, that my life really is only all about me just being healthy and wealthy in the here and now right here. It seems a little self-serving. It seems a little inward focused to me. In fact, what we find in the scriptures is that there were a lot of believers, good, godly believers with incredible amounts of faith that did what, as we expressed in the first week, suffered enormous, who went through a lot of pain. Therefore, it's important. It's important for us to know how to get through it, how to weather the storms when they happen. Why do I need to choose to grieve if you if you catch this, this is key, is, is the reason is because grief is, and, and the struggle that comes along with it, these are keys to your spiritual growth and to your development. They are keys to your spiritual growth and your development. This past week on Thursday, I had the opportunity to, to sit and visit with, with Malcolm and Jill Molinax. Those of you who have been in our church for some time now, you know this family and you know that they have suffered enormously over the last six years as Malcolm has been fighting uh, a, a battle with cancer. And certain times, the, the cancer would be gone, and they were elated, and, and just it, it was an enormous emotional time, and then cancer would return, and they would deal with financial battles. They would deal with, with all kinds of things that were happening as a result of this battle. And as I sat and I visited with them this week, and for, for those of you that, that don't know them, they're just an incredible family. They're really pillars of our church, and th they have not been able to come to church for some time because the cancer has come back very aggressively, and Malcolm is, is really in a lot of pain at, at certain times, and it's hard for him to sit in service. And uh, so they listen online, and they'll be hearing this, and they'll be hearing the things that are said in this series because they count on it very much. And as I sat with them this week, and they literally met with their doctor about a, about a week and a half ago as some tests came back. The cancer has come back very aggressively. And, and the doctor has more or less said, there's one more possible treatment option that we are going to try if you want to try this, as he's been trying different treatments for six years. And, um, but there's about a 20% chance that it's going to work. And so what they essentially told Malcolm and Jill about a week and a half ago was that they really needed to start making preparations for Malcolm to die. That's hard, right? 
It's tough news. It's reality. And they began to process that, and they've processed so much over the course of these six years, and they have grieved in a number of different ways. And the doctor more or less said, you probably uh, have about maybe a few weeks left. It could be months, but we don't know. It could be days. It just depends upon how quickly this goes, you know, and how quickly it grows within your body. His battle with cancer has happened over and over again, and I'll be sharing more about their story in the coming weeks as they've really wanted me to, but what they told me in the time that I sat with them this week, and we cried together, and we prayed together, and we laughed some together, they told me there have been, and this is their words, there have been so many beautiful things that have happened in the midst of their suffering. That's hard to to understand from someone that's going through the kind of pain like that, that they could say something like that. The beautiful things that have happened in the midst of their, stu- their suffering. Again, I'll tell you more in the coming weeks, but, but they said things like this, that Malcolm and Jill both said that this time has brought both of them so much closer to the Lord than they ever have been. They said, we don't know where we honestly would be without our faith in God. We don't know where we would be without our church community being around us in this time, and others who have also surrounded them, who have loved them, they, they said this, that the pain that they've been through has made them more tender and more compassionate for others around them. And Jill said this, and I quote her directly. She said, our suffering and pain has been like a heart tenderizer, that it literally tenderizes your heart, and you begin to see people around you a little differently. You begin to see that they're probably going through something that's very difficult. Maybe we don't always understand that, but you begin to to notice that other people are hurting. And you begin to see this. And they told me some things like this, how their worship has been deeper than it has ever been in their lives. And that they know that the kind of worship that they bring before God, even in the midst of their pain and in the midst of their sorrow, and even in the midst of their bad news that they've received and have continually received, that kind of worship that's brought before God, they said, we believe that is the most fragrant offering and the deepest kind of worship that can ever be brought to God. That I will praise Him no matter what. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I may even be angry about it at certain moments, but I'm still going to praise our God. Just like my brother-in-law Dan said, where he said, Bart, just tell people that faith in God and His goodness, and, and that, that they're still there, even in the hardship. That even though I don't understand it, I believe that he's still good. And that's what faith is. It's not just trying to manipulate him into doing something for you and your certain way because you have a certain plan. But it's trusting in the sovereignty of God that his plan is greater and that his ways are higher. Jill and Malcolm have been just incredible inspiration to so many people around us. And they aren't grieving. And she said, when people ask us how we're doing, we say we are devastated, but we are hopeful. She said, we are devastated and and we're uncertain because of the way things are going to change. We are devastated, but we are hopeful. We don't grieve like everyone else grieves. They say this, and I want you to hear this as you go through loss. They say this and they are proclaiming this and they are the better preachers of this right now than even I am. They say this, they say that this is not the end. And we know it. And that's why all of this is different. That's why we can grieve the way that we can. Because we know that this is not the end. And that it is not without purpose. 
and that God has used it in so many incredible ways already. And again, I'll share more in the weeks about how God has even brought reconciliation through some to some family members because of what's been happening in Malcolm's life. And they've been reconciled now. And and this was the greatest gift that Malcolm could have received this past weekend when they were at a family reunion, getting everybody together to spend time with him. They said this, that the deepest form of worship is whenever you worship even in the hard things. Grief is key to your spiritual growth. When we mention grief, we're inclined often to think only of funerals or the loss of a loved one. But as we've been saying, grief can happen in a number of ways in your life. You can lose your health. You can have the loss of a job, which is devastating for people. You can lose in your finances and go through a bankruptcy. You may lose a friendship. There are literally thousands of things that you can lose in your life that you have to be sure that you grieve them properly. Years ago, about probably, I'd say nearly 15 years ago, I went through a significant loss of a friendship and, and a relationship of a, of, a, of a man who was a mentor, a spiritual mentor in my life as, as there was a moral failure in his. And I was devastated by this along with the church that I served in where we saw that happen and there was devastation. And what I realized that I realized that I never through that 15 year period, not until about the last two and a half years, did I ever really grieve that properly. And instead, what I did was I stuffed it way down inside. And you know what happened with me? Let me tell you what happened. I got really angry and I got really bitter and I got really resentful at that particular individual. And I stuffed that down and I never properly grieved that. It was not until I was spending that time that the church blessed me with in sabbatical where the Lord brought to me that I had never really dealt with that. And so I had to go through a period of grief as well as a period of forgiveness. A period of release, letting that be released in my life. Grief is something that's unpleasant. We, we say, I don't want to grieve. We, we say, I just want to get on in my life. I, I, I'm going to just deny it. I, I need to just buck up and just move, you know, and just move on. And what I want to say for a number of you is the reason that there are so many problems that are emotional problems that you may be dealing with could even be physical problems that are manifesting itself within you is because of some unresolved grief that you've not dealt with. And it will come out in one way or another. It will begin to surface in, in certain ways. And, and, and what happens is we often get stuck in that place spiritually. Sometimes we get stuck emotionally. And even sometimes we get stuck physically until we actually will deal with what it is that we need to grieve. Emotionally, we'll get stuck in that place and we won't move past that emotionally. That's why you have certain people that will continue even in their adulthood, even in their 40s and 50s and 60s, that will still be very, very immature emotionally it's because they've never dealt with something they needed to deal with. You'll have people that will never move any, make any progress spiritually in their life because they are stuck spiritually because they've not done something to deal with the grief that has happened in their life and something that maybe happened a while back. Here's another thing that I'm learning, and this just really flows right into this, this, uh, this part of what we're talking about, is that grief is actually this. It's healthy. It's actually a healthy thing. It's really the only healthy response when you have a loss is to, is to grieve, and it could be anything. It's good for you, and, and no doubt it is the most difficult emotion and painful emotion that we go through in life, but it's also the most helpful emotion 
as you begin to process it, as you begin to release some of the things that are bound up within you, how is it helpful? Grief is this. It's God's tool for getting you through the changes and the transitions that are going to happen in your life. And if you don't grieve, as I said, you'll get stuck. You get stuck spiritually. Some of you are still stuck at age 14 emotionally or maybe even spiritually or maybe 28 or 32 or whatever it is because you didn't grieve a major loss in your life and you're stuck there. And so God's bringing it back up to you. And then what happens is it manifests itself in, in anxieties. It will come out and we'll be often quite fearful. We'll have certain phobias that will emerge and it will maybe affect our esteem or whatever. It comes out in a number of different ways. Some of us will begin to deal with, with grief in a different kind of way. Whenever we start feeling that, well, then what will we do? We'll try to numb our grief out with some kind of outside substance, whether it can be a drug addiction. For some, it can be alcoholism. For me, as I've, I've so openly shared with you, it was food addiction. And that was one of the things that I would often use to just kind of numb some of the grief that I didn't want to deal with. Because food made me feel good, right? Okay? And, and, and so this is what we, would, what we often do. We get stuck. But Jesus never did anything wrong. Would you agree with me in that? Jesus was perfect. Can I get an amen right there, okay? All right? He was perfect. He never sinned. Did you know that Jesus grieved? I want you to see that it's not sinful. I want you to see that that, it, that it's, it's a perfectly healthy thing for you to do. When his dear friend Lazarus died, the Bible says that Jesus grieved. He sobbed. He cried. He was very moved emotionally. John 11 says this. In fact, the, the shortest verse in the Bible is this. Some of you have it memorized, right? Is what? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Some of you are like, why didn't you pick that for the memory verse over these weeks, you know? You've got that one. I want you to see what happened in that, that situation just quickly here. In verse 32 in the ESV, it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and he saw him, that was Mary was Lazarus's brother, I mean sister, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you know what Mary was experiencing there? Shock and sorrow. And I would even say a little bit of struggle. She's saying, why weren't you here? Why didn't you come at the, why didn't you do things our way, the way that we expected you to do these things? And look at verse 35 when Jesus, or 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was greatly troubled. The way that also translates actually in the original language is that he was, he was indignant. He was beside himself. He was greatly troubled and he was moved in spirit so much and and it, and it can even translate there was anger there, not anger with Mary or with those who were crying. The anger was that it was at the sorrow that was now being experienced in this world because of sin. And he sees this and he, and he was greatly troubled. And it says this in verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see and say verse 35 with me again. You got it down. What did he do? Jesus wept. He wept, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Notice this, he started crying. And it was before other people. Others saw this in him. Sadness is not weakness. Sorrow is not weakness. And it's an American myth that says that, that to express oneself in grief 
is weakness. And, and I, I just really want to say this, especially to our men here today, because this is more prevalent among men, is that we feel like we cannot show sadness or sorrow or we cannot ever show tears. Uh, we have this idea of thinking that there's weakness in that whenever we do this. But I want to say this, that weak men are men who are afraid of showing their emotions. That there is weakness in that. Men who are afraid of showing their emotions are men who are afraid to cry. Weak men are afraid to get emotional. They're afraid of their emotions and what might happen. They're afraid of what others might think about them who are around them and what they observe. Weakness and sorrow or sadness, they're not the same thing. And especially if Jesus can weep openly, we should understand that it's not weak. There's great strength in this. You are never more secure in your manhood than when you are able to express the way that you actually feel. Now, in my mind, the manliest man that I know is my dad. All right? I'll just say it. That's my dad. He's my hero. And I look up to him, and I, I still do, and we're great friends. And he was in the first service this morning, so it was a little harder saying this while he was in there. But And, and, and my dad is an ex-cop. And he's tough. And he kind of has that tough look, like, you know, you want some? You know, that's kind of what he looks like all the time. That's just the way he looks, okay? And, and he may actually be feeling that, too, just saying, you want some? And, um, but I want to say this, and I said this in his presence. The strongest times I've ever seen my dad, and, and the times that as a son, and I want those of you who have sons to hear this, the times that I have been proudest of my dad in the times where he has been able to express his emotions. Because I know how strong he is. And you know what that's done for me as a son and as a child of his? It's liberated me to an extent where I know that that is a strong man, that I know he's strong. I've felt the strong hand, all right? I know he's strong when I've seen him shed tears, when I've seen him express his sorrow, what that has done for me is has affirmed that it is okay for me to express my emotion. We have to stop this cycle that we create and we perpetuate with our children that, that, that they cannot express emotion, that they can't express some of this. And, 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 and by the way, you know, I don't see that as weakness. I don't see when my dad has expressed that. I don't see that as weakness. And I'd welcome you to go tell him you think it's weak, and then you'd get an opportunity to practice your grief right after that, okay? And uh, because he'll hurt you. I'm quite certain of it. And, uh, but what we do is the unhealthy reaction to loss is this. is it's One, it's called repression. And that is where maybe we've kind of grown up in an environment where we don't even really think about suppre or, uh, you know, suppressing it or whatever. We just subconsciously kind of just push everything down. The other unhealthy response is actually called suppression. And that is where we, we make a decision, a cognitive decision that says, I am not going to feel this. I'm going to push this down. I'm going to numb this out. I'm going to do something else where I don't have to face this. I'm not going to think about that hurt. I'm not, I just need to get over it. And I want to tell you that that's a mistake. To not grieve losses is a mistake in our life. God has given us the gift of grief to get us through the transitions of life. 
Let me explain it this way. If I don't let it out in healthy kinds of ways, if I'm not going to talk about it with, with maybe a, a trusted friend around me or my spouse or my pastors or someone and, or express it to God, if I'm, not, if I'm just going to suppress that, then, then what I see and what we see as pastors all the time are people that are incredibly unhealthy emotionally and spiritually because they've never dealt with it. And so it will manifest itself in a number of ways. It could come through addictions, as I said. It could come through other kinds of things. It could even come through depression. Some of you are at a place of, of being incredibly depressed, and it's maybe because you've never learned how to grieve. You've never done the good grief work that we want to teach you and continue to teach you throughout the, the weeks. Doctors have even said this, that physically, when I suppress this kind of stuff, when I suppress maybe resentments that I have, or I suppress some kind of emotion like that, and I just continue to push it and shove it down, that it actually begins to affect you physically. And that a lot of illnesses are brought on because we never deal with some of the emotions that are in our our lives. And it's like this. It's like taking a, it'd be like having a two liter bottle of, of soda up here and you just continue shaking that thing up and its contents are under pressure. At some point, it's going to come out in one way or another, right? And so you have to choose to grieve. You have to realize that it's healthy to do that. And, and, and here's the other thing is that God grieves with you as you grieve. Your whole ability to grieve actually comes from him. The only reason you have emotions like this is because God has emotions like this. Do you know that God gets sad at certain things? That God gets angry at certain things? That God laughs at certain things? The reason you grieve is because God has sorrow at certain times. And it's often because of our poor sinful choices. The Bible says that God is an emotional God. I was in a life group this week and we were looking at uh, certain things, and we came across a passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 6 where it says where God had made man and man had become incredibly wicked, and this had happened. Do you know that it says in Genesis chapter 6 that it literally says this? It says that God was grieved in his heart that he had made man. He was sorrowful is what it says. He grieved. When we saw that, I said, well, I'm using that this week. That's God grieving right there. It's an example. He grieves just like we grieve. But more importantly, he grieves with you in your grief. The Bible says not only does he have the ability to do that, but he suffers with you as you suffer. He is a sympathetic God. He's not watching aloof just on the sidelines, but he actually wants to be a part and participate with you in your grief. He's not saying, can't you just get over that? Won't you just buck up and get through that? Just get over it. God's not saying that. In fact, look at what it says that he does in Psalm 34. It says that the Lord is close. He's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And some of you would say that your spirit is crushed this morning and you're brokenhearted about something. Maybe it's been something that happened this past week or the last month or, or maybe it's something that's happened and you've been dealing with it for some time now over the years. The Bible says that God is close to you and what he desires for you to do is to not push him away, to not run away from him, but to realize and tune into him that he is, he's never closer to you than whenever you are broken. He's close to you in your brokenness. I'm not a perfect father, but I believe that I'm a good dad and I love my kids and I do anything for them. And whenever I see them hurt, I care about every hurt in their life. 
When I see them struggle, I struggle with them. And when my kids are hurting, I hurt with them. I feel that with them. Last year, I, I, I noticed something that Luke was kind of struggling with. Luke's my, he's 17 now. But Luke was dealing with something at, at school that he, there was something that was bothering him that he was dealing with. And, and with Luke, Luke's like a lot of us, he would just kind of suppress it. And I had to ask him every day, how's school going or whatever. He wouldn't tell me what was going on. But there was something that was bothering him that was happening at school. And so finally, he shared that with me. But the way he shared it was, was in an, another kind of outburst where maybe I had to get on him for something. And he, and he just, just kind of just, and he wasn't himself. And he just kind of let something out that, that really wasn't himself there. And I had to confront that. And I had to say, is there something else going on? And then it all began to come out at that point. And he poured that out to me. And let me tell you something. As I saw my son battling with something that he was heartbroken over and he was struggling with, as a dad, I didn't sit there and look at him and just go, you, get, you need to get over that. You need to just buck up, son. You know, be a man or whatever. It was nothing like that. As I saw my son struggling with something, as a father, I wanted to come alongside him and say this, you're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I'm going to be with you through all of this. And, and listen, I'm not even a perfect father. Our heavenly father is a perfect father. Look at what Psalms 103 says. The Lord is like a father to his children who is tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I know some of you had a lousy dad. And so this is a verse that's difficult for you, but you need to understand that you have a father. If you had a lousy father, you have a father now who is a good one. And he comes alongside you and he's compassionate to those who fear him for he knows how weak we really are, right? He knows what sin has done to us. He knows the brokenness in our lives. It says, for he remembers that we are only dust. He grieves with us because he's the kind of father that he is. If you're hurting today, he's close to you. He wants to be close to you. The fourth thing is Jesus healed best in community. It's healed best in community as we learned last week. You're not going to get well on your own. Nobody gets well on their own. It's best grieved together. That's why you need a church family. That's why you need people around you. Last week, we just felt led to have those of you who are going through something hard just to sit down as others were standing and we prayed over you. And I've had so much response this week from people who have just said, man, that was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. And it was a significant thing of healing that God is doing in my life. Some of you who weren't the ones sitting, but the one who went and prayed over someone and you were able to be compassionate and lift them up in prayer, you also commented and said, man, that's what church is supposed to be like. That's what we're supposed to be about. Is sharing in each other's sorrows. Grief is healed best in community. Here's the final thing. Grief takes time. It's not something that you're just going to get over within 24 hours or 48 hours. We sometimes think this. You don't get over grief. You get through grief. Okay? You never get over it, by the way. But you can get through it. This is what the scripture says. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 3. He says, for everything there is a season. That's a key. A time for every activity under heaven, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, 
and it's time to shut off the phone. Please. What the Bible is saying is that life is composed of all kinds of opposites. Not only the good times, but the bad times. And if all you'll ever allow yourself to express and experience are the good times, you're actually missing half of what God wants to use in your life. It takes time. Don't try to fix people. Let them grieve. Let them take time through their grief. Jesus said this. He said that as you grieve, he said in Matthew 5, in the best sermon that's ever been preached, Jesus said, blessed are those who watch. Now look at what he says. For they shall be comforted. When you'll actually allow yourself to do that, he says, when you're blessed. When you stop pretending, but you'll actually begin to allow yourself to grieve, Jesus said, that's when you're blessed. That's when healing begins to happen. That's when I step in. That's when I comfort. If you keep ignoring, you keep suppressing, then you think you've got it, and then your life just continues to spin out of control. Jesus said, you're blessed. It's like you have a wound, and if you had a bad wound and it got dirty, you'd not think of letting a doctor just simply put a Band-Aid on it, you would want to address it and be sure that what needed to be taken out of there is taken so that it doesn't continue to fester. And it's the same thing when we don't allow Christ to address the deep wounds in our life. What we're doing for you this week is we put in every bulletin, we put one of these right here. This is your practical take-home, okay? What this is, is this is a life losses checklist, Okay? And, and you can pull it out now, but you're not going to have time to do anything about it today. But what it is, sometimes we just need something to kind of remind us about some of the things that we've been through. And if you've grieved those things, praise the Lord. If you've been stuffing those things, what God's going to begin to do with you through this series, and you're going to see, is he wants to use some of these things to begin to develop you and to begin to show you that he can even take what the enemy meant for evil in your life and turn it into something good. And, and so when life gets hard, what I would encourage you to do this week is, is to just take this as you are maybe having your quiet time, and I'm trusting that you're spending time with the Lord, and you just set this card out, and you just begin to look at so, what some of these losses might have been in your life. They may be on here, they may not, but God may bring something to your mind. And then on the back, there are some questions that you can begin to deal with, that you begin to work through. And what you're actually doing, you realize by doing this, you're allowing yourself to grieve. That's what you're doing. By dealing with some of the questions. You're allowing yourself to feel that. Now, that's a personal thing you can do. You can do that in a group. You can do it with someone else, as a family. But we encourage you to work through that. Next week, we're going to talk more about struggle and what does that mean, dealing with the whys, and how do you begin to move through that? What is God going to do in the midst of, of your hurt and your loss? I want to ask you just to pray with me today, okay, as we pray. What we're actually asking you to do is to consider things that maybe you haven't grieved. Some of you are really good at dealing with your emotions, and that's great. Praise the Lord, you are a healthy individual. But as much brokenness as I see within our church and in our community, there are a lot of us that are not good at dealing with this. Sometimes we feel like people are telling us just to get over it. We're not telling you to get over it. We're telling you to walk through it. And we want to walk with you through it. 
A lot of us won't walk through it if we try to go around it, if we try to suppress it, because we're afraid. But you know, God never told us, grieve not. He never told you, sorrow not. Weep not. But you know what he did tell you? Fear not. Fear not. We don't want to deal with our grief many times because we're afraid. We're afraid of how we'll feel. We're afraid of what that may mean, what that might look like. He said, fear not. And he tells you to fear not because he's with you. I want you to make this your prayer this week. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me morning, if you just say, Pastor, I want to just ask you to continue praying for me because I'm struggling with something. I'm, I'm dealing with something and I'm realizing that and I'm wanting to have the courage. I want to ask you to pray that I would have the courage to begin to, to deal with that in a healthy kind of way. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than just quietly just lift your hand and we want to pray for you right now. If you're struggling, we want to pray for you right now. Can we just pray over you? Father, we love you and we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that this is a safe place for people to be able to share their losses, to share their grief. Lord, I pray for these who have lifted their hands that your perfect comfort and peace would come alongside them, Lord, even in this moment. Lord, that they would have that peace that passes understanding that Malcolm and Jill talked about with me this week, where it doesn't even make sense, where people around them can't understand how they can be at peace even in the midst of their sorrow. Lord, we want to have that kind of deep-rooted peace in our lives. We ask, God, that you would give us, all of us, the courage, God, to confront some of the things, Lord, that maybe we've never dealt with, where there are things where maybe we need to forgive in others that we would deal with these. Lord, where there are areas where you need to heal us emotionally. Lord, show us what you're wanting to do. We want to be an emotionally spiritually and physically healthy church, God. Thank you for giving us a place like EVC, a community of believers, Lord, where we can come and express that. So, Lord, I, I just point these who have lifted their hands, I point them back to Jesus, Lord. You are the healer of the brokenhearted. And so, Lord, may you begin to do that work in their life now. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray love you. We'll continue in the series next week. Pastor Randy. We're going to have our ushers come forward.